This is a HeadGum Podcast. Today's show is sponsored by Miracle Made. And oh my God, you guys, you know that I love a luxurious set of sheets. And I now have such a set of sheets because of a Miracle Made. They are bedding that has been inspired by NASA. They've got silver-infused fabrics that actually make temperature regulating a thing. Uh, so you're not, like, getting too hot or too cold or whatever. You know, the whole thing that happens with your body's temperature losing its mind. Miracle Made helps with that. One of the little things that my husband particularly loves about Miracle Made is that it, like, doesn't have as much bacteria as regular sheets because of it's infused with this silver that prevents up to 99.7% of bacterial growth. So it leaves the sheets cleaner for longer. And then the thing for my husband is that it doesn't give him acne, which is like an issue for some people. But more than all of that, it's just luxuriously comfortable and delightful. And it has that cooling feeling while also being cozy. Very hard to achieve those two things at the same time. I mean, miracle made. Come on, well done. So here's what I think you should do. I think you should go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and buy some sheets today. And if you order today, you can save 40% off. Use the promo code fake the nation at the checkout and you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. So there's just a lot of savings here, folks. Order today. You'll get 40% off. Use the promo code FakeTheNation. Go to TryMiracle.com slash FakeTheNation. And Miracle so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you're not 100% satisfied, which I don't see happening, um, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to TryMiracle.com slash FakeTheNation and use the code FakeTheNation to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's TryMiracle.com slash FakeTheNation to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. Fake the Nation, episode 259. Hello, hello, this is Fake the Nation, where we talk about news, we talk about politics, and where, as the most enduring symbol of American patriotism, we gather all the hot dogs in anticipation of a hot vax 4th of July. I am your host, Nagin Farsad. And can I tell you guys, the other day, I saw the most heartwarming scene. I was coming back from a gig at night, so it was maybe like 10 p.m., and I walked by a line of, like, really hot young people showing their vaccine passports to get into the club. I mean, folks, dancing and drunkenness are back. It's morning again in America. This is so exciting. Today, we're going to talk about COVAX and how there are so many places that don't have vaccine passports and where people can't go to the club. We'll also talk about Free Britney. And finally, a commencement speech uh, that tells you not to do your homework. I am joined um, for the very first time. I'm so excited to have him on the show. He's a writer, a podcaster. He's also co-writer of a new graphic novel um, called Bubble, which is on sale uh, now for pre-order and available on July 13th. And I'm so excited to read it. And I'm so excited to have him on. I've just heard wonderful things. Uh, folks, it's Jordan Morris. Hey, Jordan. Hi. Hi. Great to be here in the virtual club. Club. Um, I am also joined uh, for the 
millionth time, uh, this uh, comedian, he's a podcaster. He's just an all-around fantastic guy who always dresses dapperly, even in the middle of a heat dome. Uh, he is the host of the podcast The Political Orphanage and author of the forthcoming book Los Angeles' Hideous Poems About an Ugly City, which I really can't wait to read. Folks, it's Andrew Heaton. Hey, Andrew. Hello. It's a pleasure to be back. Thank you for having me on. Guys, let's get into it with topic number one. So let's talk about COVAX. COVAX was a plan to distribute the vaccines for places that needed it globally, right? So rich countries would pay for the development delivery, poorer countries would benefit from it, but we would actually all benefit from it because pandemics don't understand GDP or borders. <laughs> um, COVAX was meant to be basically a global solution to a global problem, but it basically failed to deliver. Uh, there was supposed to be, you know, 172 million um doses of the vaccine delivered by this time they've only administered 72 million uh so the the failure uh of delivery has been large i guess my first question to you is why you know there was a, a quote in 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 an article you uh you sent us um that kind of sums it up and maybe kind of sums up um a lot about what's went, what's gone on, uh, and it is this: rich countries behaved worse than anyone's worst nightmares. Yes, so. Gavin, yeah, Gavin Yarny at Duke University said that, and we read this article in the Lancet about Kovacs and the failures of Kovacs, uh, and I, I totally highlighted that same quote. It is exactly, um, it is exactly that. And and Heaton, what did you think he meant by that? I, like, what it, were it, what it, were the rich countries doing? It really made me feel guilty because I. I've had eight vaccines, and now that I think about it, that, that is really not vaccine hoarding. I, I want to get into those clubs with the hot young people, right? If and you I know. thought I showed them my passport just yeah. laden with vaccine stickers that I get in. <laughs> uh, so, so my my understanding of the the major problem with this, and, and and it's fairly complicated, and I'm not super aware of the mechanisms in place with Covax or or its various funding mechanisms. But my understanding is that the problem with it wasn't funding. That Covax actually has the money; they have the money right now to hand to pharmaceutical companies to purchase the vaccines. Um, the problems are that there's a limited amount of companies making vaccines. Very few of them, I think, none of them, are located in in the the third world that really needs it right now. Although the largest vaccine manufacturer is in India. Uh, but uh, what's happening is, as the vaccines are coming out, rich countries are immediately buying them and hoarding them. And that, that's the big problem from this, is it's, it's not that we are refusing to provide information about how to make vaccines or anything like that. It's that we're hoarding them. And uh, the, the the logic of we need well, to have- and, and sorry, Andrew, just, just to also add, not only hoarding them, but, but we have laws for vaccines that get developed in our own countries or manufactured in our own countries. Various countries have these laws that you can't even export them until right. the government says, okay, now you can export them. So even mm -hmm. if a, a pharmaceutical country wanted to export them, and engage, you know, in business with another country, they couldn't. Gotcha. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it yeah. seems like also, you know, something that's going on is is that some Pfizer vaccines were approved, but you know, people kind of fail to realize that the countries who needed them don't have the storage capabilities. So mm -hmm. they're like, hey, have some Pfizer, but oh, it won't work because you guys don't have the cold storage capabilities. Yeah. Well, like, I, like, and this this is yeah. this is where I get kind of knotted up is I don't know. Like the, the the big problem from from um, uh, from Covax's position is, is bilateral negotiations that that wealthy countries have had with the vaccines rather than going in as a global community through Covax. Yeah. And I don't know 
I, I don't know that we there's a way a democratic government would have done anything different. Like imagine if during the 2020 debates, President Trump said, we're going to do Operation Warp Speed. We're going to have vaccines started rolling out in January. And Biden had said, I don't think we should do that. I think we should focus on an international effort. We're going to prioritize distributing vaccines globally until everybody in the world gets 20%. Then we can focus on the whole of America. We'll probably get finished up around 2023. Like it, he would have killed him. He wouldn't have been able to do it. Right. I mean, that's the thing is like, is it, you know, Jordan, do you feel like it? any any country, Angela Merkel, Biden, anyone could have said, listen, guys, yeah. here's what's going to happen right now. There's an outbreak in India. So what we're going to do is just instead of you getting vaccinated, right, uh, you still have countrymen. to wear a mask in Target. But <laughs> right. <laughs> right. But right now there's an outbreak in India. So that's what we're going to focus. Like, can you imagine politically that that would have ever been remotely? Possible? I mean, maybe that dreamy Justin Trudeau could have uh could have <laughs> could have gotten it across. I mean, you know, I can see he, Canadians taking it on the chin. I can see yeah. them taking it on the chin. <laughs> right, yeah, 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 the yeah, politest yeah. nation. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's so tough because, right? I mean, I I mean, I don't know what I would have thought if if during right. the election that was that was a talking point. I mean, my, you know, my, you know, I feel like my my spirit knows that's the right way to go, but my gut probably would have panicked. And it, it's so wild to read that. You know, America has vaccinations for 140 percent of the population. Like we have so many more than we need. And like we still have people that aren't taking them because they feel yeah. like yoga and crystals will heal them or, <laughs> you know, they are OK getting COVID at a motorcycle rally where Smash Mouth is playing. Like, it's just so grim to think <laughs> that we have this huge vaccine stash and yeah. our boneheadiest boneheads still aren't taking it. And I'm sure there's just so many other countries who would it's, get it in a it's second. It's weird, too. It, it, and I feel like I do this with, like, worn socks, right? Where I'm like, I'm not wearing that sock anymore. Why don't I get rid of it? It's like, it's threadbare on the bottom. But I'm like, ah, you never know. <laughs> what if I really need a fucking 14th sock on my foot that's specifically this color and shape? Like, and so then I end up sort of, so because we have, and this was another crazy thing about that article in The Lancet, we had a bunch of AstraZeneca that we're like not even using right, in this I country, know. right? We had a whole ton of AstraZeneca. We could have given it to a bunch of other places. Here's the other crazy thing. Mexico, right? Our buddies, our NAFTA buddies, right? Like right next door. We're like, hey guys, would you mind like throwing us like a cup of sugar slash some vaccines? And they and we were like, no. I mean, Biden said no. So uh, the- Diseases the, can't go north. That's not how diseases the, work. Yeah, they yeah, only no, go that's south. true. So that's <laughs> All right. Thank you for pointing that out, yeah. Andrew. That's absolutely Because of gravity. But, but I think here's, okay, so here's my feeling. I wonder if our better angels would have prevailed if Trump, and this is a leadership thing, if Trump hadn't been in office when COVAX was created, because we didn't really sign on yeah. in a robust way to COVAX. We, we, we did until two days after Biden was sworn in. That's when we signed on exactly. to COVAX. We were not so involved at all in the beginning. We were not involved and... And then even and then one Biden came and we came we we gave some billions mm -hmm. and da, 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 some stuff happened and we're starting to pass but, out vaccines now too and we're starting to, yeah again like we're doing stuff sure. it's not like we're not but um, if Trump had been and not been in office I think that world leaders 
could have come together because you needed a big guy to be involved. And the big guy in most situations is the United States, right? You needed a leadership leadership like that to be involved to get everyone else on board so that everyone would stop behaving you know, so selfishly because I do think it makes sense for you know health workers in every country outside of America to be vaccinated before 12 to 18 year olds in the United States. And, and look, I'm like desperate for my own kid to get vaccinated. And I so want this to be over for my family, right? But at the same time, I understand that this is a lower risk group. Um, final thoughts on this, Jordan. Do you feel like this kind of global diplomacy is... I don't know uh, uh, over or is there still is there still a chance or like how do you feel? Boy, it is such a it is such a beautiful thought and then this whole thing you know was done with such beautiful intentions and like it seems like you know in 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 that article them interviewing everyone just like you know believed in the goodness of humanity and that was like it was really beautiful and 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 you know and I, and I think obviously like you know the U.S. isn't handling this very well but like you know when you do see people like in la our mask mandate is gone and you know there's still people in the grocery store wearing masks just to be safe and like that's a really you know cool thing to see like they don't have to do it and they're doing it um but yeah but it's just like we just have a 40 percent shithead population that you know it's impossible to get through to so maybe there's something like you know, we just need to frame it differently for them. Maybe it's something like, hey, if we if we send Mexico some vaccinations, you can go to that yoga retreat in Tulum over the summer. <laughs> you can go. You can go. Hey, this they're sending we, us magic crystals in yes, exchange for vaccines. Yes, they have the magic crystals we need. We charge them when Mercury is in retrograde. And then you'll all be able to go to Italy and act like drunk shitheads in August. So, yeah, I do think we just probably need to we just need two information streams, one for nice people who want everyone to live and then Mm. one for uh, selfish uh, shitheads who uh, who think that uh, you can put a microchip into uh, a needle. Um. I mean, absolutely. Uh, Why aren't why aren't governments talking to you, Jordan, with excellent ideas like that? (laughs) Yeah. Hit me up, governments. Slide it to to my DMs. They're open. (laughs) Uh, Folks, let me know what you guys think of. uh, Would you be willing to like have not been vaccinated when you got vaccinated if it meant that poor countries that had hot spots were being vaccinated so that the pandemic globally could calm down as opposed to just locally? Let me know what you think. And I understand if the if the answer's no, I needed to get it when I got it. What are you nuts? Because I understand. Andrew, one, you had a thought. Real quick, one thing that we should point out is that it's not just a selflessness thing. This can be selfish as well in that if the, the virus keeps percolating in the developing world and in the third world, it might mutate and come back and hit us. So it's a situation right. where it's not just pure altruism we're talking about here. There's also a global self-interest in making sure that it's actually knocked out. Right, which is the situation with the Delta variant, which is why I didn't I don't understand why during the the apex of the crisis with India, India wasn't being bombarded with free doses. And I, and they don't even need free. I mean, they have money. So like and they're actually, a, the, you know, one of the world's biggest serum mm-hmm. generators or whatever. So it's like but again, I think there was a failure of global diplomacy 
that led to the to 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 the mutation that is the delta variant you know and that we we didn't even I don't, I, again, what am I, t- I don't know if that's true, but I think there was a failure of, <laughs> I'm just going to say there was a failure of global diplomacy that led to the Delta variant. Um, come back at me, people. I already don't agree that I don't know what I'm talking about, but I think that there may have been, you know, I, you know, you're right. It is, it is, it is, is it can be as selfish as it is selfless um, that we do this kind of work, that we do this kind of global work. All right. Folks, let me know what you think. We're going to take a quick break to learn about our sponsors, whomst we love, that keep the lights on here at Fake the Nation. Um, And then when we come back, we'll talk about other things. This HeadGum Podcast is brought to you by Aura Frames. That is right. Uh, From grandmothers to new mothers, aunts, even the friends of your life, every mom loves an Aura Frame. Holy shit, even aunts? Yes, especially aunts. Oh, well. Because it was named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter and selected as one of Oprah's favorite things. I mean, these Aura Frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. I believe it. You have an Aura Frame, don't you? Yes, I actually more than believe it. I know it. Uh, I've got one for my mom, my mother-in-law, my grandmother-in-law. And dare I say your aunt? And dare you say my aunt and my aunt-in-law. Everyone's got one. Everyone loves them. I mean, Mother's Day is right around the corner, and there's no better gift than a digital photo frame. You give them the frame. It's got preloaded pictures in there. And you know what? You can update it with an app. So every time you take a new picture of a sweet little uh, person or place or thing in your life, it gets automatically sent to that frame. Exactly. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. Holy smokes. Excellent deal. Yeah, that's A-U-R-A Frames.com. You use the code HEADGUM at checkout to save. HEADGUM. Nice. Yes. Headgum. It's easy to set up. It's loved by everybody, including Oprah, including your aunt. Mm-hmm. So do check them out. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code HEADGUM at checkout to save. Damn right. And terms and conditions apply, of course. Of course. Thanks again to Aura. Today's show is sponsored by Pros. This is kind of, I feel like, you know, I'm on some sort of Lord of the Rings journey trying to figure out skincare. And I feel like this customized skincare line is really got my name on it. Basically, every bottle of Pro's custom hair care and skincare, I tried the skincare just recently, is made to order and it's personalized. It's got a unique blend of naturally powerful and proven effective ingredients to meet your needs, like specifically you. And then the way they do it is you take this great, like in-depth quiz, basically. They analyze over 80 factors for a complete view of your life, your beauty goals, Um, Like I have oily skin that's also dry, which is just a fun little conundrum. I live in New York City. Like we've got these four seasons. My my face gets weird during seasonal shifts. Um, I all of these things I got to kind of talk about in like in answering the questions. Um, The other fun thing was they asked us at the end, like, do you like a creamy type of moisturizer or like a less creamy kind? And I was kind of like, I think like less creamy. And they were like, that's fine. Like you can do that, but we think for your skin type, 
creamier is better. And I never knew that. So I love that there's so much kind of personal information that goes into creating this. I got my stuff in the mail very quickly after I got a wonderful serum. Like I said, this very creamy moisturizer. Um, and this also very just delectably creamy cleanser that just kind of feel like I, I think it's possible that I've been washing my face with just like harsh harshness for like many years. Because when I saw this cleanser, I was like, oh, is this what it's supposed to feel like? It's supposed to feel like a little bit of a delight on my face. That's not what I've been doing. So I don't know, guys. And here's the thing, you don't have to take my word for it. In a third-party double-blind dermatologist supervised controlled clinical study, um, which is like the gold standard for research studies, Pros prove that personalization works better than off-the-shelf alternatives, which just sort of totally makes sense on a just logical level if you think about it. Just it makes common sense. Pros are so confident that you'll love your results that they're offering my listeners an exclusive trial offer so you can see the difference custom care can make. 50% of your first subscription order at pros.com slash Fake the nation um, will be taken off. That's pros.com slash fake the nation. You get your free consultation and 50% off your one of a kind formulas. Uh, again, that's pros.com slash fake the nation. Go and get your just super personalized, luxurious skincare products and hair care products. That's what I'm going to try next. So pros.com slash fake the nation. And we are back. And before we get into topic number two, I wanted to uh, let you guys know that uh, I am on Patreon, as many of you have heard. You can go to patreon.com slash Nagin Farsad. And, uh, oh, there's so many tiers to join. As little as $1 a month, which is you know, doable for a lot of people. Um, four and five dollars a month get you some really great goodies like free episodes of Fake the Nation. You'll hear um, bonus stuff uh, only available to you, very exclusive uh, from people like Paula Poundstone and Judy Gold and Mo Rocca um, and just all of the wonderful people, people like Andrew Heaton and Jordan Morris, <laughs> the many wonderful people who do the show. So, um, please uh, go to patreon.com slash Nagin Farsad and um, get a bunch of free stuff. Oh, we have free t-shirts and mugs and depending on, on, on your subscription level. So uh, it would be great if you would support the show. If you like the show, if the show has meant something to you, uh, I would love your support. All right, let's get into it with topic number two. So the free Britney movement uh, came to a head last week as the actual Britney Spears made a statement for the first time trying to get out of her conservatorship. Now, we knew that her dad controlled aspects of her life under this conservatorship, but what we didn't know is that she didn't even have control over her own body. Her doctors wouldn't let her remove her IUD. She had to get dance moves approved. She had to get expenditures approved for money that she obviously earned herself. She was so upset relaying the details of this conservatorship in court that the judge even had to ask her to calm down. Britney makes millions of dollars and pays for the livelihood of tons of people, um, but she doesn't get to control any of that. And my question to you guys is, what the fuck? You know, yeah. just let's start right there. I mean, how did how, did you did you know about this? What did you think, Jordan? Yeah, I mean, you know, I am a 
I am a straight white guy uh, who who listens mainly to rock music. So okay. I I know you. I know be, I noted the Smash Mouth reference earlier. <laughs> you'll be shocked to know there's an Elvis Costello poster in my living room. I know everyone's a gog. Um, so you know I have made Britney Spears jokes. You know I have made jokes about you know her being crazy. I've made jokes about her outfits being slutty sure. or something. And and this whole thing has been um, kind of kind of hard to you know, realize that, hey, I was part of this problem. Like, you know, the reason that she had that kind of rough period was just largely because the public wouldn't stop bothering her, you know? Like, the the reason that, you know, she had an unfortunate period was just because of how shitty the public was to her. Um, and it was hard to kind of think about how I was, you know, like, part of that, how I, you know, just thought it was okay because someone is you know, a pop star, someone is famous, you can just say whatever you want to about them and assume that their life is great because they're rich. And it's like, you totally can't do that. And um, something kind of positive that came out of learning about all this is that, you know, realizing that Britney Spears has been like consistently putting out music, you know, since, since the 90s. And it fucking rules. Britney Spears is great. And her like recent music is awesome. I like put on her most recent album. There's a song called Mood Ring that is great. There's a really horny song called Slumber Party that is awesome. There's a song <laughs> with the Backstreet Boys called Energy and they all fucking rule. She's a great performer. She's so talented. It made me want to go see her in Vegas and like yeah, it's, she's a she's like a treasure and the fact that, you know, she's surrounded by these, you know, awful money-grubbing shitheads who want to control her body is like so terrible but the fact Baffling. the fact yeah. that she still manages to like put out great art like this is just a testament to how great she is and like i feel bad that i was a you know rockist teenager who thought i was too punk rock to appreciate her um you know back at the like the height of her fame but i'm like you know it's it, it, it it's nice that her fans are so passionate that they are you know trying to bring awareness to this and also just to her who is great. And I think someone who was just the target of jokes for so long, but, but, you know, should be like celebrated as a treasure. Someone I, we should all go see Britney in Vegas. I mean, I can't, I would love to do that. And I, yeah. And I, and I, you know, just as a, as a straight white comedy guy who is, who is too glib about things sometimes. Uh, yeah. It's just been kind of nice to have an excuse to think about how, how I use jokes and how I, how I treat people. Yeah, I mean, the the Hulu documentary we actually did, you can see on Instagram, an Instagram live conversation I had um, with Kendra Cunningham about the Hulu documentary on Britney Spears, framing Britney Spears. Um, and, and, and the way that the media treated her was insane. And, you know, I... Like, you know, I was a teenager. I didn't listen to Britney Spears, you know what I mean? And even now, I only, you know, I only have passing interest in her stuff or whatever, but I would love to see her in concert because she is the consummate performer. And Andrew, I wonder, there's something also, there's A, there's something about the way we treated women since the beginning of fucking time. Sure, yeah. Uh, which, which, which has been just unfair, right? Just to put it mildly. Mm -hmm. But there's also some a way that we sort of treat performers at her level as, there's something about shaking your ass 
and singing like the way she does that we sort of put in a not we don't necessarily put that in like a skill bucket like oh that mm, person right. person is like such yeah. a crafts person and so skilled and so you know um at the performing at the highest levels unless they're also a writer you know so once you add like writer to something then for some reason we just we treat them with so much more esteem but so there's something about her particular bucket of skills that we didn't treat with esteem even though i you know challenge any of these motherfuckers to do what she does on stage and to have that kind of longevity yeah have that jeff tweedy from wilco shake your ass with a giant snake you can't oh no exactly you can't you You can't can't do it tweedy sorry so andrew what i mean is it what is it about this particular situation also that she felt like she couldn't get out of it Mm. That she hadn't talked about it publicly until now. Oh, first of all, you, you all bring up wonderful points, uh, and 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 Jordan, it's really like um, I, I'm sure I would have said horrible things about Britney Spears. I'm just such a nerd that I didn't know much about pop culture, so I've limited myself mostly to Star Trek celebrities. But I would have done that. <laughs> and, and so, you owe Jonathan Frakes an apology. I, I I, said some I, horrible I, things about I, I sucker punched him at an Applebee's one time, and I've never lived it down. Uh, but it, but it's nice, like it's it's nice to I think to admit that we we all share some some culpability in this for the the weird fetishization and dehumanization yeah. of celebrities, where we we all have this tendency to do that. Like we're we're all public performing individuals. Uh, I assume that we all we all get negative feedback sometimes. And while I can shake it off, and I get I mean very little negative feedback because I'm nice and not very well known or talented, so I don't have to deal with it too much. I'm always kind of surprised <laughs> at like just someone will say something and I'm like, you know, I'm a person, right? Did you not like, does it not occur to you that like I, like I've, you know, got friends and family think about this stuff. So that's, that's absolutely true. Um, uh, I, I think like, um, I, again, I don't know pop culture that well, but like, I think uh, Kim Kardashian is another example of what you were talking about, Nagin, of somebody is professionally pretty and professionally sexy and therefore they are contemptible. And like, I, I look at, uh, um, uh, at uh, at her and think like, well, I'm not really into any of this stuff and I don't watch reality TV, but from my perspective, the only thing I've seen her do the last few years is get people out of prison for smoking pot. So I applaud her. And unless you want to do that, I don't really think you have a leg to stand on uh, because she's doing good stuff. And like, yes, she's making a lot of money by by being hot, but like, I she's fine. Um, the, the, the issue for me that I, I think is interesting for Britney specifically is the kind of legal threshold that they seem to be operating under, which I found baffling. Like, I, oh my God. I, I, I understand if we're living in feudal Europe, if we're like, well, women are property. And you, the purpose of a woman is to have a dowry, and uh, I own her, and then I will marry her off to some squire. Like, I, I at least understand the logic. Uh, well, I, I want to be on the record here. I'm against uh, women being a form of chattel. <laughs> I, I have, thank you for clarifying. Thank you. Thank you. Takes keep coming. I, I, have, I have revised and apologized for my previous position. Wow. It's been a very weird week, but I've come out of the other side. Um, no, so, like, the, the threshold is what I find very interesting, because the, the more I read about this, it's like, well, like, you know, she would make bad business decisions she would uh she would make poor interpersonal decisions and i'm like if that if that were the threshold for your dad taking over your life of bad business decisions and poor i would have been a guardian years ago like absolutely of course during 2020 when i was drinking a bucket of scotch in a bathtub (laughs) sobbing eating oreos out of a bowl with a ladle because i couldn't do dishes of course i should have had a guarantor so that that i find very weird and i and i look at this and i'm like first of all i i don't know california uh, uh guardianship laws i'm sure they're very very complex but it seems to me that 
that the, the benefit of the, of the doubt should be you're sane. You should have to really prove somebody's insane. Secondly, if you're going to do it, it should it, the threshold should be this person literally cannot function in society and is going to be criminally taken advantage of or will wind up in prison or an insane asylum. That should be the level we're at. If it's just, I don't think she's optimizing her career, that is not sufficient. Uh, I, I think she's dating the wrong guys, not sufficient. Not sufficient. It was crazy because she wasn't even allowed to retain her own counsel because of medical records that were also kept from the counsel that she was trying to keep. So it's like for reasons that we don't even, that that weren't clear to her at the time, she was put under this conservatorship. And then um, the the lawyer that works with Jamie Spears, which is her dad, uh, who was um, the conservator, co-conservator, he... She had said in the documentary, oh, I've never in my entire career, I've never seen someone get out of a conservatorship because the thing is, the idea is that also you should be able to graduate out of it. Like, let's again, let's say for the sake of argument that she did something more insane than just shaving her head in a at a salon or whatever. Remember that thing she shaved her head or remember she like hit a car because paparazzi couldn't stop bothering her. And it was like, you know, anyway. Let's say it was beyond that and it was, you know, and there was some actual, you know, medical reason that she was put under the conservatorship. I mean, however many years of a Vegas residency later where she's performing at the highest of her abilities of anyone's abilities. How many number one albums do you have to record? Do you need to make in order to prove that you can, right? I mean, it's great. So how do you graduate out of it? And the fact that this one lawyer whose job it is to handle these um, conservatorships can't even summon one example of a person graduating out of these conservatorships is really alarming because what, you know, with the reading that I sent you guys, one of the things that they really stressed in every article was that you completely lose your civil liberties. Right. And that shouldn't be undertaken lightly. And we're, and again, I don't know all the details, blah, blah, blah. But it does feel like that aspect of this was not considered very heavily. And it does seem that the fame part of it where the media was that blowing up little incidents to make them seem bigger um was also playing into like how a judge may have made a decision which is just truly unfortunate so jordan you were gonna say yeah i mean there's a there's there's a there's a great quote in one of the articles you sent around and and you know it feels like it it kind of sums up the whole thing it really put it in perspective for me it's like the ability to make bad decisions for non-disabled people is considered a normal part of the human experience and I think that is just like, yes, that is so perfect. It's like, yes, perhaps Britney Spears had a tough time at one point because of how much media pressure there was on her and, you know, whatever. Maybe dating Kevin Federline wasn't the best thing to do. But like, yeah, I regret like, it. Yeah, sure. Hey, well, listen, <laughs> we all uh, he's he's a charmer. He's a charmer. Yeah. I mean, it was but, fun, but it was look, fun until it wasn't. Sure. Exactly. It, but, but I'll tell you who amongst us doesn't have a Kevin Federline S. <laughs> listen, if I uh, listen, X. if making some bad decisions in your 20s is grounds for having your civil liberties taken away, there was a time in my life where I was drinking a case of Bud Light Platinum a night and sleeping with people I was in an improv group with. Hmm. Then oh, it, there it is. By that, there by it that is. rationale, I That's should That's your still, Kevin Federline moment. Yeah, yeah. Th- that was my Federline. I was Federlining in that moment. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, you know, obviously we all have tough times. We all have times we're not proud of. And, you know, if you're a 
media star and you have paparazzi following you everywhere it's just amplified and yeah i think i think she's more than proved it's that she's so, not only capable so but extraordinary like an well, extraordinary I, I, person right and it's think- and it's so sad to have the fe- you know like like you said we've all federlined but her federline got so blown up and if I was talked about by my ex-boy, like if you guys knew me from these ex-boyfriends and I couldn't rise above that ever, you know, that would be a really horrible existence for me. Um, the media had such a huge role to play in this and they continue to be, I think, it, what's interesting, I guess, here's my question for you, Andrew. Do you feel like things have changed and has the media changed? Because even Britney Spears mentioned someone like Miley Cyrus having episodes, right? Public episodes that people talk about, um, but also that people get over. I mean, part of it is maybe the media cycle has also evolved in a way that it, stories stuck stronger than. Um, I don't know. What do you think? Well, it's, it's hard for me to get a a, a, a read on on what media coverage of celebrities is like because so few of them involve star trek that i i don't really right. am that into it i <laughs> I, I, I will i will say but you are uh, up on all the latest scott back i news. oh yeah, yeah yeah exactly yeah like man if george takei and his husband break up i'll know about it at a heartbeat <laughs> uh i like i i don't know that the media is significantly different another thing that i think is worth pointing out is that um uh when guys flip out that are celebrities, we they tend to flip out in a different way and it's also interpreted differently. So if I'm a celebrity and I flip out, presumably what I do based on my other, based on male celebrities that go crazy, I will get really drunk, punch somebody and probably something say something anti-Semitic. And that will not be a sign that I am crazy. It will be a sign that I'm like I'm having an episode or I'm bad or something like that. Like there's a lot of the time where anger is interpreted as a sort of legitimate emotion for men, but flipping out in a non-angry manner is crazy if women do it. And I think that the media right. interpretation is right. different in that regard. Uh, and I don't yeah. know if that's gotten better. Yeah, with with you know male celebrities and certainly male musicians, like weird public behavior is kind of like a sign of their genius. You know, like mm-hmm. if they do something crazy in public, it's just like because they're on another level, man. It's fucking four yeah. D chess. Like, Ka- Kanye, yeah, I think when Kanye does sure. crazy stuff, he's frequently interpreted as just being well, he's a genius, and so he's going to think outside sure, the box. Yeah. And 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 I do, I I will say that I do think maybe you know we treat Kanye similarly to Britney in that, you know, maybe he's, you know, we, we use him as a punchline a little too frequently when maybe he does have, you know, legitimate mental health issues that need to be taken care of. But, but, but certainly, certainly he gets a genius pass. Um, right. And no one's not. talking about a conservatorship for Kanye. No, absolutely not. Yeah. And so I think he's still not. getting like, and uh, you know, also our understanding of mental, you know, uh, mental health is so different in our, I, I, I think I think yes, Kanye has been a punchline, but he's also been generally. Um, there's been more sympathy, of course, about totally. His it, yeah, he's yes, absolutely. Um, folks, let me know what you think. Uh, this is just crazy, and uh, let's all meet in Vegas and go and help her, her escape. Everybody, bring a, a rope ladder and, and some hot escape. air balloons, and we're let's gonna get her. R- the minute she's out of her conservatorship, let's meet in Vegas so she can control the money from our ticket sales. Yeah. That's what I would like to see happen. Patrick Stewart, uh, if you're right. out there, we need your help. <laughs> Guy who all played right, Data. Uh, I forget his name. <laughs> Brent Spiner. Brent Spiner. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Andrew needs more more celebrity gossip specifically tailored to him. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Folks, let's move on to topic number three. 
We read a piece in the New York Times called Dear Class of 2021, Don't Do Your Homework, Live Your Life by Kara Swisher. This piece is based on a commensal speech that Swisher gave. And in it, she says that she used to tell her kids all the time not to do their homework. Quote, when they had a choice to do something I felt was far more interesting for them. Since I have covered the major moments in the digital age, those opportunities were a myriad for them, especially to be able to talk with the Thomas Edisons and Grace Hoppers of our time. A hike across a Golden Gate Bridge with a person who helped invent the iPhone? Don't do your homework. A visit to a cool new autonomous car company run by a truly quirky young investor I just met named Elon Musk? Don't do your homework. <laughs> that is the crux of her advice um, to the young uns. There's some other stuff that we'll get into, but just at first blush, uh, what did you think? Uh, I wish I could, I, I think I would couple that with, uh, like if I could go back in time and talk to myself at like age 10, I'd be like, don't do your homework. Also, don't play Nintendo so much. Like I, I do wish, like, because it's. I, I think that part of it's the productive. Like, it, it doesn't have to be specifically focused right. productivity, but just like if I could go back in time, and be like, if you learn guitar right now, you will always have a girlfriend. I'm telling you, please <laughs> learn the guitar. No one cares about Mario. The princess isn't real. Uh, so I would do that. The other thing is, I generally like I like encouraging kids to be insubordinate to educational authorities. I get a kick out of that. Like I'm basically from a Norman Rockwell painting, and so I kind of resent the intense restraints that were there. Like I like I th if I were giving a high school commencement address, I think I would, uh, or, or maybe like like to the, the the class that's in there, I would be like, hey, if a teacher can't tell you why you have to learn something, you don't have to take it seriously. There's, they should have to be able to tell you why that this is a, a relevant subject to you. Like I still don't know why I took trigonometry. I think it's to make rockets to kill Russia. But I don't know. I still don't know. And so I never really got invested in it. <laughs> that, everything you just said was like, up, like up, in this article, was upsetting my status as a model minority and children of immigrants whose entire thing was like, you better get perfect grades. And like, you know what I mean? And like, I'm hard pressed to like, I have a hard time buying anything that you just said, Heaton. But OK, Jordan, what do you think? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I thought this was, it was a really cool, fun piece and definitely like. The spirit of it, I think, is right on that, like, you know, when those extraordinary life experiences come up, you have to take them. Um, you know, I was offered a free ticket to Burning Man once. I took it. Um, I A stranger washed my taint. It was beautiful. I'm glad I did it. I'm glad <laughs> I did it. I showed my balls for a snow cone, and it was the best snow cone I've ever had. Anyway, right. so I am I am living proof that this can work, but... Um, I do also kind of hear what you're saying in that, um, you know, for 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 good boys and girls and children, uh, which I was one of um, the idea of not following the rules makes me kind of stressed out. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I think, Andrew, you totally. had a great point. If I did, you know, shunt off homework as a kid like that time probably wouldn't have been, you know, reflecting in the forest like Thoreau, it would have been yeah. playing Mortal Kombat and having erotic fantasies about the fly girls from In Living Color. That uh -huh. uh, that would be how I would spend that time. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think homework obviously like is annoying and I think we probably do give, give kids too much of it, but like I, you know, I have ADHD and I had it as a kid. I was diagnosed as a kid of having it. And I think that like learning to like sit down and write a book report is the reason that I can, you know, sit down and write something for my job. So I think there is something to kind of like, you know, 
creating a space where kids can learn to like finish a task and enjoy work and maybe have fun with stuff like that. Uh, so yeah, I, I, in generally I'm, I'm in favor of going out and, you know, uh, grabbing, grabbing life by the, what have you's by the life privates, by the taint, uh, by the taint, <laughs> grab life by the taint, have a stranger, Clean taint. Wa- have a stranger wash it for you. Um, so yeah, I, I, I liked the piece, but, but you know, if it, it I, I don't know that I would, I would stump for a complete abolishment of the homework industrial complex. Wait a minute. Am I, am I the cool radical wearing a leather jacket? Don't do your homework guy. And you two are the eat your vegetables. This has literally never happened to me before in my entire (laughs) life. I am so excited. I'm so excited. I'm going to lean into this. I'm going to absolutely lean into this. Okay. Because, because, well, yeah, it just, the, the, the entire commencement speech stressed me out a little bit. <laughs> and because I was also like, but I mean, you have to do your homework or else your entire life like will go on the wrong path. How will mom so be proud a part of you? How will you make mom how, proud? <laughs> we have we have to exactly. do it. Exactly. No, your life is not measured by experiences. It's measured in report cards. What right. are you doing? You know what I mean? So like I, I know which I, which is obviously like there's something wrong with me. But she okay. But let me get to the, this next point, which I think kind of brings up some of my stress. She's quote she quotes Steve Jobs a lot actually in this commencement speech, and she she said Great that Steve Jobs said this uh, when I was seventeen. I read a quote that went something like, "If you live each day as if it was your last, someday you'll most certainly be right." This is, again, Steve Jobs. It made an impression on me. And since then, for the past 33 years, I have looked in the mirror every morning and asked myself if today were the last day of my life, would I want to do what I am about to do today? And whenever the answer has been no for too many days in a row, I know I need to change something. Now, here's the thing. We're ta- that's like a quote from Steve Jobs. And I just, part of me wonders with all of these bromides, we're, we're, that's just not how life is for most people. You know that that also I mean? sounds again, exhausting. Again, that sounds exhausting yeah. <laughs> to live every day like it's your. Oh my! I gotta go. I gotta go hang gliding. Right. And every, call my every mom for an hour like, and drink the best whiskey in the world and then have an orgasm. Yeah. This is like oh I my god! My ta- nude yoga on a peak again. <laughs> you know I can tell you this: I'm never gonna do taxes if I think I'm gonna die the next day. That's the last thing I'm ever gonna do. Right. Yeah. I, I, do, I right. do agree. I think this this you know this philosophy. There is a little bit of privilege you know assumed oh I mean it. there's a ton of privilege so my New York Times here's my thing these, is so, like yeah sure right I mean and look and I get it it's a commencement address it's a it's it's being addressed to 18 year olds in high school who have the world ahead of them so you want them to dream and think ridiculously but I think there's a something that Steve Jobs Something I know about Steve Jobs from the unauthorized biopic, which is that he was maybe not that great to his family. So I think the other question is, do you look at yourself in the mirror and say, was I fucking kind and good to people today? And if the answer is no, too many days in a row, Mm. I'm a dick and I need to change. (laughs) Uh, I I very much want to hear Nagin's commencement speech. I would like for you to write this entire thing. Yeah, hell uh, yeah. Seniors 2021. Yeah. 
<laughs> quit being, quit being dick. Wait, can, can I can I play cool substitute teacher who's like giving you guys underage beer for a moment? Do it, man. Turn yes, turn, turn the chair backwards. Okay, sit down yeah. on the chair backwards. <laughs> Sitting down on the chair, uh, like, hey guys, like just get your get your your worksheets sure. done, and then we can hang out and Mr. play chess and Mr. stuff, right? Mr. Heaton's my so, dad. Call me Andrew. Uh, yeah, yeah. Call, call me call me Mr. H. Right. Uh, all right. So this is where I get a little conspiratorial. Um, so universal education, great, good, big fan, uh, very, very good thing. However, like part of the method that we brought into the United States that we've built universal education on because we didn't have universal education previously is a guy named Horace Mann. He was the secretary of education from Massachusetts, went to Prussia where they had universal education. And he was like, this is great. It's very scientific. It's a factory model where they treat kids like products where they, they know they're going to be out at a certain age, which we had not previously done, and everybody gets it. Really fantastic. But what the Prussians were trying to solve for at the time, what they the reason they developed universal education was they felt that they kept losing wars because people were thinking too much for themselves, and they didn't have a sufficient deference to authority. And so what they were doing was, to a great extent, just disciplining children to obey authority figures and to appreciate the state and to appreciate the army and all of those things. I've never been an educator. I have been a substitute teacher. And I, it did seem to me that part of my job was basically conditioning children to sit at a little desk for eight hours a day filling out slips of paper. And just so they wouldn't go crazy when we threw them into the workforce. And uh, um, so, I don't know. Like, kids, uh, um, try and figure out when they're actually teaching you versus conditioning you. Right. And, I mean, I think it is good like the thing you said early on of like, if your teacher can't answer why you're learning something, like there should be real world applications to everything that we learn, you know, um, or, or even like real, even if they're, they kind of remain abstract, but like this will un help you understand the abstract world. That's why we're learning it. Uh, you know, the distance between stars is important because this, when you're looking, this is what's happening mm. and you should know. Like there should we teachers should be able to answer that question so that they don't feel conditioned so that they do feel, you know, enriched. And I think I think that's absolutely right. And I but I also think that it's like we're it's also very American that everything should be so special or that everyone should feel like they're the next Thomas Edison. Like there are ways of being like a good an extraordinary person without being the next Thomas Edison, you know? And it's obviously commencement speeches are not the place for that rhetoric, but maybe they are. I don't know. Maybe we need to start <laughs> emphasizing that. Some of you will be that. great baristas. Some of you will be the best barista <laughs> no, but, but at, some your, of you... at your fills. <laughs> no, some of you will be the best fucking neighbors, friends, Lovers, Don't define sons, yourself entirely daughters. by your profession. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, like just, I don't know. I mean, and maybe that's something to take away. That, 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 that just as much as we're here for an education, we're here to learn how to play nice together. Yeah, and for true. 18 years, I hope you did that. And I think, and, and going forward for the rest of your life, I hope you do that. Play well with your fellow man or whatever, and woman. Um... Anyways, I don't know. Folks, let me know what you think um, of this uh, commencement speech, of uh, these these points that were made. Uh, are you going to tell your children not to do their homework? <laughs> <laughs> let me know what you think. Oh, my gosh. Jordan, Andrew, that is the end of the show. It How was a journey. Feel? 
Oh, it really was. I think we covered everything. We covered yeah. all I the mean, all the things and solved everything. Well done, guys. <laughs> You're and, welcome, and, and world. And also, we finally created a new pipeline for governments to talk to Jordan. Yes, mm-hmm. which we mm-hmm. previously you mean Governor Jordan, Governor Morris. Yes, Governor, Governor, Governor Morris Jordan. of the great state of Arizona will be conquering <laughs> Florida soon. Nutmeg um, state. Yeah, so just the world government slide into my DMs. Uh, uh, Guam, are you out there? Um, he has ideas, guys. He has ideas. So I would love for the people of Fake the Nation to be able to follow you and all the wonderful things that you do. Andrew Heaton, where do they do that? Hey, I host uh, my own podcast. It's called The Political Orphanage. I do a lot of exploring of policy and news and how people think, and I keep it nonpartisan and friendly. So if you like exploring ideas, come explore ideas with me at The Political Orphanage. And I have a book coming out very soon. It is called Los Angeles is Hideous, Poems About an Ugly City. Now, if you're in Los Angeles, you probably won't like this that much. But if you just left Los Angeles, as I did, I think it will make you feel very (laughs) good about your life decisions. So that comes out on July 12th, and it's available for pre-order now. And there's also that subsect of the population in Los Angeles that people who have moved to Los Angeles... And then talk about it begrudging, like begrudgingly live there, but for years, and then complain about it all the time. Mm-hmm. So that I think is another. I think you'd group enjoy the book too, really like book. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, get um, get Andrew Heaton's book. Subscribe to his podcast. Everything he does is so wonderful and funny and bright and refreshing. Uh, I th- you'll enjoy every single piece of it. Jordan Morris, where do people follow you? Uh, well, uh, you can follow me and uh, if you're a world government, DM me on Twitter at Jordan underscore Morris. Um, and I have a graphic <laughs> novel coming out that I co-wrote. Uh, it is called Bubble. I co-wrote it with a great comedy writer named Sarah Morgan. Uh, uh, the great comics artist Tony Cliff does the art and uh, Natalie Reese does the colors. Um, uh, just a real cool collection of comics and comedy pros uh, got together to make this thing. Uh, it's called Bubble. It's it's a sci-fi comedy about a kind of near future where everybody lives in these dome cities. Uh, our heroes are these uh, kind of hipsters who live in a little domed version of Silver Lake or Brooklyn and they are part of this kind of life and death gig economy where they have to fight monsters to survive and uh, yeah, it's uh, got a lot of it's got a lot of penis jokes and gore and uh, monsters and robots and uh, yeah, if you if you if you like comics, uh, I think you'll like it. If you've never read a comic, it uh, does not require any uh, additional information. You can just uh, pick it up and and enjoy. And that is available July thirteenth. And uh, yeah, much like Andrew's book, you can pre order it now. Uh, that is a really helpful thing for books. So uh, maybe give your local indie bookstore or comic bookstore a call or your local library tell them you want bubble and uh, all those places will pre-order it up for you so you can have it on the 13th absolutely and um you you know people don't talk about comic book graphic novels as as being good beach reads but th- what you described sounds like an excellent beach read so no, thanks uh, yeah so if, you're it, that, you know? uh, if you're going on that if you're going on that post post pandemic vacation and uh, you want something you could you could you could uh, yeah, comics, they're sh- sh- quicker to read than books. So you could probably, uh, probably <laughs> you're more likely to finish that. Probably a couple, a couple trips poolside and you can knock this thing out. Um, oh, yeah, it's, exciting. it's called bubble and I think you'll like it. 
Uh, folks, you know where to find me, and uh, you know how to access all the things that I do. Um, but what I would really like to do right now is thank all of the wonderful people that make this show a possibility. That's our wonderful producer, Julia Linden, our fantastic um, audio engineer, Stephanie Aguilar, uh, and all of the wonderful people at HeadGum uh, who make this show possible. Our theme music was written by Gabby Alter. Uh, please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. You can email us at fakethenation at headgum.com with your ideas about guests we should be having on, uh, topics we should be chatting about. Um, you can join the Patreon for bonus content and so much more. Um, again, that's patreon.com slash Nagin Farsad. Uh, thanks, folks, for listening to the show. We'll be back in your earballs next week. That was a HeadGum Podcast.